0: Notice what the Bible says there in Hebrews 11 and verse 6. We'll just read uh, verse 7. We'll read that verse and then we'll say a word of prayer and then we'll get into the sermon this morning. Hebrews 11 and verse 7, the Bible says, By faith Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is, what's that word there? By faith. Father in heaven, Lord God, we come before you and thank you, Father, for, uh, Lord, the testimony of this righteous man that believed you, named Noah. We ask and pray, Lord, as we dive into the scriptures that you would minister to every single heart here this morning, that you would have your way with us and that you would continue to Uh, Lord, convict us and challenge us regarding our right standing with you, our relationship with you, our love toward you, our obedience toward you. Help us, Father, with this message. Challenge us and comfort us. Father, help us in these last days to understand what to do and how to live as Christians. In Jesus' name, amen. The narrative of Noah is well known Uh, amongst Christians, but not only Christians, as a matter of fact, the story of Noah and the ark and the flood is well known even among non-believers. The event and the uh, surrounding details that are mentioned, also referred in the Bible, are are referred several times. We have them in the book of Genesis. Uh, Isaiah mentions him, uh, Ezekiel mentions him, Mark, Luke, uh, first and second Peter. And also, uh, we see that uh, uh, the Hebrew writer right before us mentions him also. Now, Jesus also likens that the days of Noah will be like the days of the Son of Man, which is no doubt a sign of the end times and leading up to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in the account of Noah, it's based upon God's redemptive plan to rescue Noah. And his family from the judgment that was to come upon a wicked and evil world look at verse 5 in genesis 6 and god saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth this is now the description of man's wickedness continues from verses 5 to 6 we see it here that they had continual evil thoughts it says in that every imagination of the thoughts of the heart was only evil continually it says, they were also corrupted before God. All the earth also was corrupt before God. Verse, uh, six, uh, verse 11, the Bible says, and the earth was filled with violence. And so the distress of God's heart is also mentioned in verse six. It says, it repented the Lord that he made men on earth and it grieved him at his heart. Now, can you believe that statement? How God felt, how sorrowful he felt that he regretted the fact that he even made man. That's how evil they were and, re, and, and that's how disobedient they were. And rebellion uh, was rampant before the eyes of God in every form and facet. And, and it grieved God's heart. There was so much sorrow on God's part to the point where he regrets the fact that he ever made man. Can, can, can God say that about you, that he regretted the fact that you would even be born? I hope not. I hope that we would find grace in God's eyes to be like Noah, that would live a life of faith pleasing to God. The destruction of the uh, old world, the Bible talks about how judgment will come upon them because of their rebellion. In verse 7, and the Lord said, I will destroy man, whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made man. Uh, William MacDonald said, the Lord's sorrow does not indicate an arbitrary change of mind, though it seems that way to man, rather it indicates a different attitude on God's part in response to the change in man's behavior. Because he is holy, he must react to sin. God said what he said only because of their behavior, only because of their rebellion and disobedience. Now, the divine grace we see upon Noah in verse 8, <clears throat> but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The Bible makes it very clear that Noah was a man who believed God. That's what Hebrews 11 talks about, and the grace of God was upon him. And because Noah uh, had faith in God, he exhibited a walk with God. God verse 9 there are the generations of Noah Noah was a just man perfect in his generation and Noah walked with God Noah would be used also now to fulfill God's will or plan Uh, in verse 13 to 14 God said to Noah the end of the all flesh is come before me for the earth is filled with violence through them and behold I will destroy them With the earth, make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shall thou make in the ark, and shall pitch it within and without with pitch. And so, God gives Noah the plan here to build an ark in order to save his home, but not also uh, save his home, but to condemn the world because of their disobedience and unrepentant attitude toward God. The description of the ark is given in Genesis uh, 6, 14 to 16. We won't read that. And also the deliverance by which God will deliver Noah is also mentioned in verse 17 to 21. Now, I want to point out three things uh, in this sermon. I want, to call, I want to point out the call of Noah. I want to call, uh, point out the second point, which is the commitment of Noah. And then also we want to see the conclusion of Noah, how he received the promise by faith. Let's look at the first now together. Have a look at verse 7 of Hebrews 11. <clears throat> the call of Noah. Noah was pre-warned by faith. By faith, Noah, warned of God of things not seen as yet. This is a perfect example here of Hebrews 11 verse 1. All right, Noah is a perfect example of this, saying that faith is the evidence of things not seen. Scene. He was warned by God of something that would perhaps never happen in the history of man. Vermin McGee said, Abel showed the way of faith, Enoch illustrated the walk of faith, and he, Noah, is the witness of faith. Noah acted on pure God's word, on God's word. He may not ever saw perhaps rain like that before, or rain that would cause a flood, or perhaps even an ark. Can you imagine a year after year as Noah was building that ark? No rain, no water, and he would continue to build by faith. It wasn't just you know one day. It was over a period of time. He was continuing to believe God and obey God. He didn't give in or give up. And the flood had not yet come. And so imagine this. Imagine building this thing, spending his years and his life doing what God said. To do. And yet he hadn't even seen it yet. He was acting by faith and acting by faith on God's word. It took about 120 years and there was no sign that we see in the scripture that Noah ever doubted God. We don't see that. As a matter, as a matter of fact, we see a man that was called by God to do the work of God and we don't see him ever give up. John Phillips states this, Noah was mindful of the word of God. God had spoken and that was enough. He was warned of God, of things not seen as yet. God said it, that was enough to believe it. I'm not there to witness it, but I know what God says, it will come to pass. And Noah was a man of faith, believing in God's word, hence response to the call. Now, Noah's responsibility also would have been, no doubt, a watchman. Not only building an ark, but Peter says that he was a preacher of righteousness. So he would have been a man in that sense. by the way, Second 2 Peter 2.5. And the Bible says there, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah and the eight persons. Look at this. He attributed this to, to Noah, Peter uh, did. A preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. And so there's no doubt he would have been a watchman warning people as doing the work of God. A preacher of righteousness meant simply this, that he would preach the right things of God. And that included judgment, everything, the whole counsel of God, everything that God perhaps tell Noah to preach or bid Noah to preach, that he would preach. We don't see the specific message, but you can only imagine by looking by, uh, at the other watchmen. For example, Noah, uh, uh, Jonah was a watchman. a reluctant one warning Nineveh of the impending judgment to come that if they did not repent God was going to destroy them and so he was a watchman as a matter of fact the warning ministry is so important I believe it makes the way for the gospel it really does Ezekiel was a watchman have a look at Ezekiel chapter 33 I want you to see this leave your finger there and turn to Ezekiel chapter 33 so we see The ministry of warning uh, people of the impending judgment is no doubt in the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament. A man of God said doubtless as he built, that is Noah the ark, his hammer blows were interpressed with warnings to the mocking spectators to turn from sin or face God's righteous punishment for their wickedness. And that's what preaching Uh, simply does It, it warns people of the impending judgment that if they don't repent they will perish Ezekiel 33 look at verse 1 again the word of the Lord came unto me saying son of man speak to the children of thy people and say unto them when I bring the sword upon a land if the people of the land make a man of their coast and set him for their watch if when he see the sword come upon the land and blow the trumpet look at this He warned and warned the what? The people. And so look at verse 6. He uses this illustration that it was a normal thing for someone to set a watchman to see if the enemy would come. And that he would warn the people to to prepare uh, for the attacks from the enemy. But notice what uh, God uses this illustration in Ezekiel's life to warn the people or God's chosen people about his impending judgment upon his own people. Have a look at verse 6. And if the watchman see the sword come and blow not the trumpet and the people be not warned. If the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. See, this is uh, an important uh, factor here. I want you to understand it is Ezekiel's responsibility to warn God's people about God's impending judgment. And it was... uh, Noah's responsibility to warn the people of God's impending judgment. God always warns people before he does something. He warns them. And that he, they will prepare themselves. He warns them. Why? So they can turn back. He gives them a whole heap of room and time to get right. And I want you to see now, look at this. In verse 7. So thou, O O son of man, look at this, I have set thee, Ezekiel, a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth, and look at this, warn them from who? Me. And later on, we don't have time to get into this account, God says that he does not delight in the death of the wicked. Why don't you turn and live? It is not God's desire to destroy man, but rather to, to save them. But you know why men today are destroyed like that day? Because they don't heed the warning. They're like stiff-necked. No matter how many times God warns his people, they, re, they, they draw back to idols and draw back to their old ways and, and do not take heed to the prophet's voice. As a matter of fact, the prophets were stoned. By God's people, because they don't want to hear it anymore. I rather heed to false prophets and heed to false teachers and uh, proclaiming prosperity and peace and peace and peace. But no, my friend, there is a day coming, as it was in the days of Noah. So should it be in the days of the Son of Man? There is a day coming where God will judge the world in righteousness. That is the message. You say, that's a message of condemnation. No, it's a watchman's message of warning. That God will give him room to repent and turn and trust him. John the Baptist had a warning ministry. John the Baptist, as a God-appointed watchman, said this. and Matthew 3, verse 6, the Bible says, And were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said, Unto them, O generation of vipers, who have, look at this, warned you to flee from what? The wrath to come. Who has warned you? See, John the Baptist was calling people to repent and put their faith in God and come back and do it God's way. And he he was no doubt uh, a, a man that prepared the way for the Lord. And he faced the Pharisees of the day, the mockers, he called them snakes why because they were also stick necked uh they were hard-hearted toward the call of god the apostle paul had a warning ministry as god's appointed watchman in acts chapter 20 verse 25 and now behold i know that ye all among whom i have gone preaching the kingdom of god shall see my face no more look at verse 26 wherefore i take you record this day that i am pure of the blood of all men What a testimony of the Apostle Paul, that he was a faithful watchman doing what God called him to do and made sure that he would uh, continue to do the very things that God would call him to do, but preach the very things that God would call him to preach. And part of that, my friend, is warning people of the impending judgment, the whole counsel of God. He says in verse 31, therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with what? Tears. When Paul the Apostle was in Ephesus for three years trying to encourage those elders, those pastors in Ephesus, he was a testimony to them and said, as I watch, you watch, warning people day and night. He ceased not to warn people of the impending judgment. You know what he said this? He said to the Corinthians, he says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men no the warning ministry is not a popular ministry it's not a popular ministry as a matter of fact you're perhaps misunderstood people will think that you're judging them as a matter of fact the opposite is true the warning ministry helps them to escape the judgment but the reason why people misunderstood not only the prophets but also our Lord Jesus Christ is because they had an unrepentant heart they did not want to turn they did not want to believe I want you to see now the commitment of Noah. Have a look at verse 7. Noah, he prepared the ark by faith. The Bible says in verse 7 that he was moved with fear. That's that's interesting. Hence the title of the sermon, uh, simply Faith in Action. Uh, Yes, Noah believed God, but his faith moved him. To fear God and his word. Noah was moved with fear because he knew that God would do what God said that he would do. He wasn't bluffing, and Noah knew that God wasn't bluffing. So it moved him with fear. The Bible says, Proverbs 22:3, a prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are what? Punished. No one ever lost when they obeyed God's voice. No one ever lost when they did the very thing that God called them to do. And faith causes you to fear, to obey God's word. Faith is God making one wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's faith. The fear of the Lord is to depart from evil. You know what Job 28, 28 says, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. The fear of the Lord is good, and it actually prevents us from disrespecting God. In Psalm 19, verse 9, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. And by the way, the fear of the Lord will give you long life, according to Proverbs 10:27. The fear of the Lord prolongeth days, but the years of the wicked shall be what? Shortened. Proverbs 14, 27. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. No one ever lost by believing God, obeying God. That's what faith does. It moves you to do the very thing that God has called you to do. And God called Noah to prepare an ark and he was moved with fear. The fear of the Lord is better than prosperity. The Bible says in Proverbs 15:16, Better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. The fear of the Lord is better than the life of the wicked. Proverbs 23, 17. Let not thy heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord. How often? All the day. All the day. And the fear of the Lord is a choice and the result is escaping the impending judgment that will come upon man. It's a choice that everybody must exercise. It's the beginning of wisdom to fear God. Notice what the Bible says in Proverbs 1, 27. When your fear cometh and desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you, then they shall call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For they, they what? They hated knowledge and did not, notice that word, choose to uh, choose the fear of the Lord. It's too late. Wisdom had it already called out. It it, it cries out in the chief concourse. It cries out in the streets. It cries out at the gates where the leaders are. Everywhere God lifts up his voice throughout the earth calling men to repent. Repent! Jesus had a watchful ministry calling men to repent, calling men to turn, But you know what? People don't fear God and it's to their own destruction. But Noah did. Noah feared God. Noah put his hand up to say, I will do what you'll call me to do. I'll obey you. I'll submit to your will. That's what faith does, my friend. It's not dormant. It causes you to action. If you believe God, you will do what God says he will do. You'll be moved with fear. Look at verse 7. Look at this. He was moved with fear, prepared an ark. See, genuine faith moves a person to action. Man of God said Noah's faith involved the whole person. His mind was warned of God. His heart was moved with fear. And his will acted on what God told him. See, faith obeys God in every detail he built the ark exactly the way God commanded him to build it look at Genesis 6 verse 22 thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him look at this so did he don't you like that phrase so did he you know, that's a man of righteousness, the one that preached righteousness. You know, uh, the imputed righteousness of God given to a man is, is because they believe God. And, and if you believe God, then you obey God and you fear God. It's faith in action. Faith in action is not being disobedient like Adam. Faith in action is being obedient like Jesus, the second Adam. Uh, the greatest example, the whole reason why the world's in a mess is because of the first Adam. He disobeyed God and it didn't please God, it grieved God. The second Adam, God was pleased. This is my beloved son, listen, in whom I am well pleased. The greatest example for us is Jesus Christ. And he by we know that we know him. How? How? Well, we keep His word. We keep His command. He that saith, "I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. See, faith in God will cause you to submit to His ways. This is a perfect example of Noah. Faith obeys God. The construction of the ark, Genesis 6, 14 to 16. The covenant made with Noah, we find in verse 18. The congregating of the animals, we find in verse 19 to 20. And the carrying of all provisions and foods, we find it in verse 21. And if you drop down to Genesis 7, have a look at verse 1. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen what? righteous before me in this generation for yet seven days will i cause it to rain upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights and every living substance that i have made will i destroy from the face of the earth look at verse 5 and noah did according unto all that the lord commanded him look at verse 7 of hebrews 11 prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world the man of god once said regarding this but noah's faith was rewarded his household was saved uh, the world was condemned by his life and testimony and he became heir of the righteousness which he received on the basis of faith on the basis of faith you know what the bible says in hebrews 11 that god is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him the ark is a picture of salvation Uh, by entering into the ark Noah and his family were given assurance that they would not die they would be spared from the judgment when a person enters into faith with Jesus Christ it's it's, it's similar they're guaranteed eternal life the ark is the only door that leads to life Jesus is the only door that leads to life and you can only enter in by faith you can only enter in by faith by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourself and there's only one door Jesus says, I am the door. You know, our uh, you know, salvation is through Jesus Christ. And that ark was a picture of, of, of Christ, that one door that enter in, that you can't enter in any other way. I'm afraid to say that people that try to follow works or self-righteous deeds or different religions of that nature will not find themselves having eternal life. Eternal life is only found in Jesus Christ. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And to escape the wrath of God, John 3.36 says, He that believeth on the Son have everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But look at this, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Your faith in God will cause you to believe on his son, and it will cause you to come back and call on the Lord. That's faith in action. It comes to Christ, it seeks Christ. The Bible makes it very clear in Isaiah 55. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy. And returning to the Lord God has made a way through Christ in our time God has given us Christ who is our propitiation for our sin and not our, our sin only but for the sin of the whole world anyone that will come to Christ will live those that have the son have life the Bible says that the door is shut he shut in the door look at Genesis 7 verse 16 look at this and they went in they went in went in male and female and all the flesh as god commanded him and look at this and the lord shut him in that's probably how big that door was that only god can shut the door but you know what once that once that door is shut that's it the the floods came and wiped every single person from the face of the earth and only those that were in the ark were spared only those that are in Christ will be spared from the judgment to come. My question is Are you in Christ? Are you in Christ? Are you in the ark, so to speak? Have you come to Him that you may have life? Have you come to Him? Have you turned to God by believing on His Son? by uh, forsaking your way. See, the Bible says we're all like sheep gone astray. Everyone has turned to his own way. But the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. We've all turned our own way. And God calls all men everywhere to what? Repent, to turn. It seems to be like a dirty word in our culture today. Repent. That's a Bible word. It's a Bible word. And there's a parable given about the 10 virgins in Matthew chapter 10. I don't have time to go there. It's a sermon on itself. But the Bible talks about 10 virgins. Five of them were wise, five of them were foolish. Five of them had oil in their lamp, and five of them didn't. And those that didn't have oil in the lamp went to go and buy oil when Jesus or the bridegroom returned. And by the time they went and came back, the door was shut, it was too late. And I believe those that were wise exhibited true faith that will indicate the Holy Spirit uh, abiding in someone uh, in our time when a person trusts Jesus Christ as their Savior. God gives them the Holy Spirit and they're born in the God's family. It's a beautiful thing. But for those that are outside of God's, you know, if you don't have the Spirit of God, you're none of His. The Bible says those that are outside of Christ and don't have the Spirit of God will be shut out from the the kingdom of God. Remember, uh, Paul the Apostle said that he went about preaching the kingdom, warning every man, don't let it be too late. Don't let it be too late for you. This is a serious thing. Now have a look at verse 7. He prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world. You know, the life of Noah, his faith and obedience to God, condemned the unbelieving wicked world around him. Warren uh, sorry William McDonald said Noah's faith was rewarded his household was saved the world was condemned by his life and testimony and he became heir of the righteousness which is received on the basis of faith you know the flood again is a picture of God's judgment upon unrepentant wicked ungodly people and you know what Peter says this I want you to see this in 2nd Peter chapter 2 he says for if God spared not the angels that sinned, these are the fallen angels that followed the ways of Lucifer but cast them down to hell and delivered them uh, and delivered into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment look at this and spared not the old world right in other words he judged the old world those that were outside of the ark but saved Noah the eight persons, the preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the who? Ungodly means those that are against God and not on God's ways. By the way, once upon a time, believers were ungodly. Unbelievers were ungodly. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 that Christ came to give his life for who? The ungodly. Everyone that is outside of Christ, is ungodly. They go against God. Those that are in Christ are called godly or righteous. Those that are outside of Christ are the ungodly and need to be saved. Need to be saved from the wrath of God to come. He says in verse 6, And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah in the ashes, condemned them with an overflow, and making them an example unto those that after should live what? ungodly you know what the days of noah typified you know what the you know what the uh, fallen angels typified you know what the days of noah typified you know the rebellious sodomites what they typified that god is going to deal with those that don't repent there's no escaping god's judgment God will deal with wicked sinners that that turn their backs against God. He will deal with them. You know what the fallacy and the folly of our nation today is? And you read the Psalms and David experienced this in his day. You know what it was? God's not watching. God's not watching. You know what? We're going to get away with this. You're not going to get away with it. As a matter of fact, he's going to have the last laugh. Not that it it simply uh, it it pleases him to see people die. No, don't get him. But you know what? He's going to stand back and say, in almost these words, "I told you so," but you won't listen. You won't listen. You know God's grace and mercy and patience. His long suffering. He is so long suffering. You don't understand how long suffering he is. But one day, his patience is going to run out. His patience is going to run out and he's going to pour judgment upon people that are unrepentant. I want you to see God is patient and he gives time to people to repent. Look at First Peter 3.20. He says, In which sometimes were disobedient, where once the long-suffering long of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was preparing, wherein few that his eight souls were saved by water. See how long-suffering God was. He was long-suffering, giving time for people to believe on him, to repent and come back. And God promised, by the way, never to flood the world again. He put a bow in the sky as a covenant or a promise. You know, the rainbow? He put, he put that as a promise that he would never flood the world again. Now, you see some floods in different places and states and countries, but you'll, ne- you'll never see the world underwater ever again. Can you imagine that? The world being underwater, every bit, every, ma- every mountain underwater it's amazing when we we see floods on the news today and we see like just the rooftop peeking out we're like wow poor people but we're talking about the whole earth underwater God says he's not going to judge the world like that again but you know what that doesn't mean he won't judge the world we'll get there in a moment he's still going to judge the world but not with water but with fire like he did with Sodom and Gomorrah But notice now the conclusion, Noah received the promise by faith, verse 7, and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. So Noah continues to set the example that it takes a walk of faith, believing God, to be made right with God and to have the righteousness of God, which is for us is the righteousness of Christ. It was no doubt a picture of those things to come. James 2:23 is in the Scripture was fulfilled, which saith, "Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness; he was called a friend of God." See, the key to being an heir of righteousness is doing what God commands us to do. Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him to do. So, look at this. Noah built the ark because he believed God. Uh, Noah feared and obeyed God because he believed God. Uh, Noah entered into the ark is because he believed God. Noah was right with God because he believed God. Noah uh, pleased God because he believed God. None of those things would be accepted if Noah did not believe God and do it God's way. It would be rejected he didn't have any self-righteousness to exhibit but rather it was the righteousness of God. God said to Noah, do this, he said, yes. Do that, he said, yes. He said, do this, he said, yes. We see perfect obedience, why? Because he believed God. In Hebrews 11 verse six, but without faith, it's impossible, impossible to please him. It's impossible. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and he's a rewarder of them that diligently what seek him. So the key to being an heir of righteousness is to have a walk with God and to have a walk with God is to trust and obey and to trust and obey is to believe God's plan of redemption for us today which is Jesus Christ. To believe the gospel To be saved, listen, and to walk after Christ, to continue uh, in his word, to love him, to deny yourself, carry that cross and follow him. Our faith in Christ ought not to be dormant. The first command that God gives us as Christians is to be baptized by water depicting The great plan of salvation. Yes, we understand that baptism isn't for salvation, comes after salvation. But it's yet still a command to obey. And God is pleased when we take the first step and say, I will obey. I fear God. I love God. It's our first step. You know why so many teenagers, they make a profession and then it takes them years, it takes them a very long time to get baptised. I believe, as children under that kind of environment, is because they're still wrestling. Whether they're, uh, you know, saved and they have that assurance, they don't want to go and simply make a, a wrong decision. But you know what that tells me? That's the fear of God right there. They want to do things properly God's way but there needs to be a humble disposition of coming to God and giving up and, and, and a lot of times it was self-focused. It was, a, it was more focused on themselves. What do I have to do? They were looking more upon themselves than they were looking upon Christ. You know what? Noah had his eyes on God. Not upon themselves. Not upon himself, excuse me. Upon God. Faith has your eyes, listen, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of your faith. We wouldn't have any faith without Christ. wouldn't have any faith without the gospel. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, faith wouldn't even be simply a, a, a thought or an idea if the word of God didn't come by a preacher. Amen. Someone came and preached. And so that faith could be born in Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith, but we must keep our eyes upon him. We must lay aside every weight, every sin. That's Bible, by the way, amen. That's in Hebrews too, by the way, that's after uh, Hebrews 11. You'll understand what Hebrews 11 is all about when you read the whole book of Hebrews. You'll understand what it means to lay aside every weight and every sin. You know what, even Christendom today, Overemphasizes, you know, the extremity of you know, you don't really need to obey God for evidence of your faith. It overemphasizes that to the very point where it gives the Christian excuse to disobey God. I really believe it. It's part of the apathy of our Christian era, of the Laodicean age, that, listen, makes God sick. It's called greasy grace turn in the grace of God and love lasciviousness. Now this doesn't only affect uh, someone that comes to Christ. I believe this affects the Christian because Jude was preaching to Christians. It almost gives them the idea that you can live the way you want. No, we cannot live the way we want, especially if we say we are saved. We must live like blood book believers. We must live up to our name. We can't just say we're Christians and not live like Christians faith move, moves you faith in action and so it's important to understand we come to christ we get saved we get baptized and we follow him and all the things that he actually tells us to follow him in you know the golden thing that god wants us to do that's the whole point of redemption is to love him and jesus says, if you don't love me uh, uh, if you love me keep my commandments and that was the golden commandment. And, and, and Paul says to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 16 that if you don't love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him, be another, mama, another. let him be a curse on judgment day. Our salvation should be leading us to a perfected love for God. And if it doesn't lead to a perfected love of God and it just continues to lead to self-love, perilous times shall come. What are they? People will be lovers of their own selves. People will be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And you know what Paul says to Timothy? These people have a form of godliness. Listen, stay away from them. Avoid people like that. May God help us to be people that have this genuine faith in God and his word. Now, as we close, the promise of God to never flood the world again does not mean that God will never judge the world again. God will judge the world. Jesus used the event of Noah and the flood to warn the people to be ready for the second coming of Christ. And I want you to see that, and you can turn your Bibles and look at the screen here, Luke 17, look at this. Luke 17, look at verse 26. I want you to see what Jesus says to his disciples. As it was in the days of Noah, Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. Plural, in the days of Noah. From the day Noah hits the scene all the way through, building the ark and entering in. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. What, what happened in those days? They did eat. They did drink. Uh, They married wives. By the way, did the last couple of years with what happened with this COVID scare and lockdowns all the rest prevent anyone from marrying? No. Things went, you know, the way they went, they was with with difficulty, but they still did eat and drink. As a matter of fact, eating and drinking, according to, uh, you know, the world's consensus and the government's consensus, well, well, was essential. Eating and drinking was essential, but worshipping God wasn't that essential. You can just... Kind of tell where our society is heading. But eating and drinking and marrying still continued. And that's still taking place to this day. Does it here mention the wicked thoughts that they had continually? No. Does it mention here that there was violence? No. Does it here mention that there was corrupted? No. But look around. Is there corruption? Is there violence? Yes, there is. Is there a rebellion against God? Yes, there is. Have a look in the last couple of years how they treated God's house. Have a Look, listen, brethren, the last couple of years showed us how the church wasn't an option and, 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 and uh, in a sense of being essential part of, uh, you know, life. Can I say something to you? God who gave life Rain for grain and food for people, and initiated marriage, and initiated all these good things that you and I enjoy. He's not essential. He's more than essential. God should be on the forefront of our nation and country and the world. We should be submitting to His word. Yeah, I should say, you know what? Bring the preachers in and let them pray. Bring the preachers in. There's something taking place. This is nothing short than Bible prophecy. They were wicked in the days of Noah and they're wicked today. And it's going to get worse. Notice this. Until they did eat and drink and married and were given to marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And look at this. And the flood came and destroyed them what? All. All. So this corruption and life continuing to go on will go all the way until the end and he'll come and destroy them. That's what happened in the days of Sodom uh, and Gomorrah. Lot was rescued in that one day and then fire came down and destroyed them to ashes. And that's what's going to happen leading up to the second coming of christ we'll close with one passage i want you to see it very clearly second thessalonians what does the main basis of god's judgment upon the world what is the main basis for this i believe it's found in second thessalonians have a look at this second thessalonians and look at chapter one what's the main basis Look at verse chapter one, verse six. Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that what? Trouble you. You know what Jesus uh, uh, you know what Paul's saying through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to these Christians at Thessalonica? That God is going to deal with those people that trouble you. In other words, there's persecution upon Christians. Even in that era, even in that time there was persecution, and God's gonna deal with them. God's going to balance the books. Look at verse 7. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. Rest with us. When the Lord Jesus, look at this, shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that what's the basis of the judgment? That know not God. And look at this and that obey not the gospel of our lord jesus christ that tells us by the way let me stop here and make a point that tells us there's one gospel because this happens at the end of the tribulation the gospel of our lord jesus christ those that reject it those that don't come to god Those that don't believe the gospel, God will judge them, not with water, but listen to me very carefully, with fire. With fire. And that's only the beginning. Because we know and understand that eternity is forever. And the second death is to experience the flames of torment day and night which the beast and the Antichrist Uh, simply lay and lucifer one day would join them the bible says they were tormented day and night in the flames jesus coming with power and destroying people from the face of the earth taking out his people and destroying the rest is a picture of in the days of noah listen the days of noah is a picture of what's going to come and i beg you here today i beg you do not be a statistic do not be like the rude and crude, unrepented evildoers in that day. Don't be like them today. I beg you. Come to God through Jesus Christ. Come to God through Jesus, the only door, and be saved. Be saved. God wants to save you. Loves you. The last thing that God wants is for you to perish. It's against His will. Second Peter chapter three. The reason why God's delaying His coming. Is his long suffering to us would not willing that any should perish. But all come to what? All come to what? Repentance. And the reason why people are going to be judged is because they don't know God and they reject the gospel. Look at verse 9. Who shall punish, who shall be punished with what? Everlasting destruction. From the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. What a fearful thing. God didn't spare the angels. They're rebellious fallen angels. God didn't spare those people in the days of Noah. God didn't spare Sodom and Gomorrah. What makes you think God's going to spare you if you reject Jesus Christ? This is a serious thing. May God help every single one of us. Heed the warning. Jesus hits the scene, and we can simply say this, that his mission was to seek and save that which was lost. Amen? That's his mission. Came all the way from heaven. But you know what what was one of his first messages when he hits the scene in his public ministry? That which is the same as the prophets and John the Baptist. Repent! For the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is at hand in other words it's near it's coming and i could say this and i'm not you know don't say it's gospel but i believe the days of the son of man will span from his first coming to the second coming and it's about six thousand years here that this world has existed in the last couple of years we see the days coming to an end as it was in the days of noah so shall it be in the days of the son of man And it's, listen, brethren, friends, it's getting closer. Very close. Very close. And you don't want to be shut out. Faith in God will cause you to fear and come and believe on the Son and forsake your wicked ways, your rebellion and disobedience toward God. And fall at his mercy and say, God, save me. Forgive me. When I got saved, I said, Lord, whatever you want me to do from this word, I want to do it. I know it's going to be very difficult. I know it's going to be hard. But I want to do it. Please help me. And for coming to 20 years, God has helped me. By his grace to stay true to his word. You say, have you fallen? Absolutely. Absolutely. By his grace, I get up again and I say, Lord, continue to help me. Continue to help me to love you. Brethren, those of you that are saved, you have a warning ministry. When you do your work, when you go to places, don't let there be blood upon your hands. Tell people. Give them a, you don't have time to tell them? Give them a gospel tract. Give them a gospel tract that explains the plan of salvation, how they can be saved. Oh, they'll laugh at me. Oh, they won't take me serious. What do you think happened in the days of Noah? eight people don't let there be blood on your hands your family members your friends find ways to communicate God's love and truth and warning of the impending judgment be be, 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 be earnest Noah spent his, his years doing what God wanted him to do Ezekiel, Jeremiah uh, Paul we may not be a prophet or an apostle, but God has called every one of us, if we're saved here, to be a witness. Don't let there be blood upon your own hands. Say like Paul, I am free from the blood of all men. I've told who I can, and when I go and walk and do what my, uh, my daily duty at work or school, or whatever it is, I want to be always gospel sensitive, gospel focused. We're making a new track called "The Two Appointments." It's out print as we speak, and it's from Hebrews nine twenty-seven. It's appointed on the man once to die, and after this, the judgment. You may say, "Well, oh, that's a very offensive track." No, it's trying to help people understand the reality of a holy God. God is holy. Look at the cross. The cross depicts two great attributes of God's love. So what is it? His love, uh, of of God's character. His love and His holiness. His holiness, He hates sin. And He's got to judge it. And Jesus was judged on our behalf. He took the thump, the wages, the penalty of our sin upon Himself. And God's love, He took our place. The just for the unjust, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not what perish, but have everlasting life. But there's a warning. He that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed. He has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And verse 36 says this. And the wrath of God abideth on him. I beg you here today. I beg you. heed the warning before it's too late. Come to Christ and be saved. Turn from your wicked way. Turn from your self-righteousness. Turn, you sheep, and come back. And believe, be saved, and enter in the fold. And enjoy the green pastures of the shepherd. Enjoy the still waters of the shepherd. Enjoy the peace that he gives you when you're simply in the shadow of death. The comfort. Enjoy the assurance That the mercy of God will follow you all the days of our life. Amen? Amen? Let's pray.